0: Our scripture reading today comes from Mark chapter 2, verse 18, to Mark chapter 3, verse 6. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment, otherwise the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. One Sabbath. Jesus was going through the cornfields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the men, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now I will pray for Richard as he comes up. Father, I pray that the words that you have laid on Richard Hart would touch our ears and our hearts. Amen.
1: Thank you. We're back in Mark chapter 2. And as last week, Jesus is having run-ins with various people and issuing challenges far and wide to newcomers as well as to those who have been following God for a long time. And that's basically what I want to help us to hear this evening, the fresh and life-giving challenge of Christ, whether we are taking our first steps on from baptism today, Jack, whether we are looking at one more week in our walk of discipleship, most if not all of us, or even whether we're about to become a bishop, Aaron. Whatever our background, whatever our experience, whatever the particular shape of our walk with Jesus, he meets us with life-giving challenges and commissions us on our way. I don't think Mark wrote this bit of his gospel to address different ones of us, in particular at different stages in our Christian life. I'm going to let his gospel words intersect with our 21st century lives in just that way. Three stories in our passage this evening. One to start us off as newly living out our baptism. One to resource us along the way and one to those of us whose journeys have already been long, whether we are about to become a bishop or not. Of course, all three of these stories are for all of us, but we'll take them one at a time and see what happens. First, the challenge about fasting. Some people were fasting, abstaining from food for a day, probably, So it may be of interest to note that uh, a day in ancient Jewish practice ran from sundown to sundown. So this would have meant a significant act of self-denial, but not an impossible one. No eating from one sundown until after the sundown of the next day. Some of the disciples of John the Baptist did it, some Pharisees did it, but apparently, chapter two, Verse 18, Jesus and his followers did not. Well, fasting has often, down through the centuries, been a religious practice by which people devote themselves to prayer and being serious about their religious lives. It remains an option in many Christian traditions today, and we would not be opposed to it in principle here at St. Nick's. Though, as you can see, today has been more a day of cakes and celebration than fasting. You might recall that story of the Pharisee and the tax collector that Luke tells in his gospel, Luke chapter 18, where the Pharisee says, I fast twice a week. So you might wonder just how often were God's people expected to fast back in the day? And the answer from the Torah, at least, that's those first five books of Scripture that were so important for defining what the life of faith looked like, the answer was once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, a single day that falls around September or October in most years, where people would fast in order to focus on being cleansed from their sins. There was some evidence that by the end of the Old Testament, other days of fasting were being called for various reasons, but the actual standard, according to the law of Moses, was once a year. So it's hard to avoid the conclusion that some people used fasting as a sign of religious status. Look how devoted I am, fasting so often. And Jesus appears to have very little time for that. And in particular, he has little time for what he describes as guests of the bridegroom fasting while the bridegroom, he himself, Jesus, is with them. Now, I do not wish to comment on how much we should or should not fast. I can chat about that with you afterwards over cake. For most of us today, I suspect the issue is probably not that we fast too often. But what I do want to comment on is this, and it feels appropriate as we celebrate Jack's baptism today, that glorious first moment of saying publicly, I am Christ's. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's how the apostle Paul puts it. Very simply, Jesus looks at those complaining and he says, while I am with you, celebrate. In the illustration that follows, Jesus is like the new wine, so remarkable, so new, that we need a whole set, new set of wineskins to contain him. And so this is not an anti-fasting comment from Jesus, but it is an anti-using fasting as a sign of how holy you are comment. I want to summarize it like this. When in the presence of Jesus, Celebrate. You don't have to be a Christian very long before you realize that Christians have as many trials and tribulations as everybody else. We do not celebrate because we have no problems. We celebrate because in the midst of our problems and our worries, we always have the presence of Jesus. Whether we are Gathering together for worship, whether we are sitting quietly at home reflecting on the Word of God, whether we are taking bread and wine, or always and everywhere, whether we are being held in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, we celebrate the presence of Jesus. Jack, as you are setting out to live the baptized life, know that you've invited Christ into every part of your life, day by day and he will not let you go. Secondly, the challenge about understanding rightly what is required of us, it turns into another argument about fasting. But again, on this day of cakes, I'm not going to dwell on the point about fasting, nor indeed on the point about Sabbath observance which refers to the way that every Saturday, the people of God would actually, from sundown on Friday, spend 24 hours setting aside their normal work and focusing on worshipping God until sundown on Saturday. And incidentally, while I'm mentioning that, let me just observe, that if in any sense you do want to try and keep a Sabbath or a day of rest in the week, I think it is absolutely the best way to do it to do it from sundown to sundown, which means that you begin with an evening off. And then you spend the next day resting. And then on the following evening, hopefully by now refreshed, you have time to get ready again for the work that will follow on subsequent days. Uh, when we as a family switch to trying to do it that way, our success rate at keeping a Sabbath shot up from 0% to some like 10, 20%. <laughs> Both Jews and Christians down through the ages have managed to turn this gift of rest into a topic of argument. What counts as work? What are you allowed to do? On this occasion, Jesus' disciples pluck some cor- ears of corn as they walk through a cornfield, and this triggers a dispute about whether this has broken some Sabbath law or other. Jesus' view seems to be that the Sabbath was designed to be a life-giving gift and that if you're going to get into case law to try and settle whether this or that is work, you are missing the point. You know, you can't carry wood on the Sabbath. What if you've got a splinter in your finger and you walk across the room? Does that count as carrying wood on the Sabbath? And so forth. These kind of arguments kept lawyers busy in Jesus' day and they have derailed many Christians over long centuries of arguing about how to keep Sunday special. But notice that Jesus doesn't quote any laws at all. He does not refer to verses about Sabbath laws or post biblical case law about the Sabbath of which we have plenty. No, he tells a story about King David who when he was hungry, did something that was probably not really good practice according to ancient understandings, but it was okay because he was hungry, as were his companions, and the result was that hungry people got bread to eat. Argue all you want about the law, Jesus seems to be saying, but don't lose sight of the life-giving God who gave you the law in the first place. Jesus is about to go and turn this into yet another hint that he himself might be something to do with that life-giving God. But again, I just wanna draw out that one aspect of this story. I wanna get into the fasting or the laws or even the argument about who Jesus is. Here's my observation. Confronted with people complaining as they feed their hunger, Jesus turns to scripture. He tells a story from it, as if to say, that'll do. As so often, he finds words of life in the rich stories of his Bible. Sisters and brothers, how will we stay in touch with God as we walk the Christian way? There are lots of answers to that question, but one of them is, by knowing scripture well. Learn its ways, learn its stories, learn its cast of characters, their ups and downs, their triumphs and hardships. The Pharisees seem to have been wanting to get Jesus into an argument here. He replies by saying, let's look at that story in 1 Samuel 21. On another occasion, we could talk about how he did it, how we should do it. But today, just hear this. Rely on scripture in all its richness. And thirdly, another argument about the Sabbath, beginning of chapter 3. Jesus heals a man with a shriveled hand, which maybe was not allowed, or maybe it was, depending on how you understood the point about Sabbath laws. Again, that's not the argument I want to get into In this case, Mark's Gospel hands us a further significant insight into what is going on. When Jesus looks around him, verse five, he is, it says, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Or more literally, the hardness of heart. Deep irony. The people of God have become like the Pharaoh of old in the Exodus story. Self-righteous, hard-hearted, more concerned about being seen to be right than about God's life-giving and boundary-breaking good news. And this story too is for all of us. Newly baptized, baptized, long ago, but I want to offer it first as a life-giving word to you, Aaron, as you leave us and head on to the next stage of your calling, because one of the things I've learned most in the short time I've worked alongside you in ministry is this, never lose sight of God's generous offer of life and life in all its fullness, for all, not just for ourselves, but for all the people we haven't met yet. In the midst of all our busyness and activity and our life and work as God's church, never lose sight of the life-giving God who is behind it all. As you step into your new calling, one of my prayers for you, Aaron, is that you will continue to hold on to that gospel hope in the face of any hard-heartedness that you come across. It's not that Aaron has a different gospel to live up to. Rather, he lives up to the same gospel as all of us. He has a particular calling to do it in a public way, but we are all called to do the same. And if I were to phrase this as one of Jesus' life giving challenges, I would say this very simply Watch out for hardness of heart. Watch out for hardness of heart. Or in other words, yes, we do need rules and systems in place to make our lives together as Christians work, but never let them get in the way of the life-giving God who gives it all purpose and meaning. So as I hope you've realized by now, all these three stories speak to all of us at whatever stage of the Christian life we are. Just baptized, about to step into some new public ministry, all stations in between. Celebrate in the presence of Jesus. Rely on Scripture. Watch out for hardness of heart. Jack, Aaron, everybody, these words are for us all. What could possibly go wrong? Ah, well, actually, everything. The final verse of our reading today has several prominent religious people starting to plot to kill Jesus, so we need to not be naive. Taking a stand for Jesus and living according to these life-giving words from another kingdom, it will assuredly provoke opposition. Christianity is not the same as common sense. Gospel values are not straightforwardly just about being a good citizen. We are a people shaped by the call of Jesus, from life's first cry to final breath, and every day along the way. Celebrate in the presence of Jesus, rely on scripture, watch out for hardness of heart. We are called to the greatest of adventures. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham Podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.